Good morning, everyone. My name is Madeline, and I'll be reading today from Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 to 31. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severely do you think someone deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified them, and who has insulted the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, It is mine to avenge, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Amen. The theme for January is resolved. And so every week we're going to look at a, a different passage, all encouraging us to aim for Jesus throughout the year, to think about how we can follow him as individuals and as a church. And so the theme for today is draw near. And that comes from Hebrews 10. And that's the big idea, draw near. You know, I reckon um, as Australians, yeah, nah, is a very Aussie way of saying no. Do you want to go to the movies this weekend? Yeah, nah, we've got people coming over. Did you enjoy the food? Yeah, nah, it was pretty awful. Hey, let's go with this idea. Yeah, nah, I don't think it's going to work. Yeah, nah. And I wonder... If you and me are a little guilty of saying yeah and nah to God and his word at times, especially when it comes to tricky, confronting parts of the Bible, we read it and we say, yeah, nah, yeah, nah. I reckon Hebrews 10 is full of yeah, nahs. Lots of people have read it and said, yeah, nah. But you know the opposite to yeah, nah? Heaps good very South Australian, not Aussie, but heaps good. And I want you today, you might be starting out having heard the Bible reading saying, yeah, nah, to a few of those parts, but I reckon by the Spirit of God, we can go from yeah, nah, to heaps good at Hebrews 10. Because if we're going to be resolved to draw near to God in 2023, I reckon that these three yeah, nahs and talking about them and thinking through them are going to help us do that. What are these yeah, nahs that I see? Well, three. It can't be that simple. It can't be that serious. And it matters more than you think. It can't be that simple. 
it can't be that serious and it matters more than you think. So our first year now makes the claim that drawing near to God really is simple. If I was to ask you to write down on your phone right now or on a bit of paper, what's the evidence in your life that God loves and accepts and cares for you? What's the evidence that God loves, accepts and cares for you? What would you put down? If I said, write it down now on a bit of paper, what would you put down? How would that that dot point list look? And what if I went a step further and said, how does your answer then reflect your self-image day by day? How does writing that down reflect how you view yourself? You see, I think we have a tendency to measure our value by our work, our salary, our circumstances. We compare our performance to others, don't we? It happens in your workplace all the time. We might reject salvation by works, but there's a real danger that we operate as a Christian day by day with a performance-based level of acceptance. That is, I have to do this, obey like that, be needed, have some sort of position in the church to maintain my faith, to feel loved and accepted and a part of God's family. I need to have these things and do these things in the gathering. And it's a very fragile way of relating to God. And I think that could be a danger in our church. But is there a better way? And thankfully, by God's grace, yes. When we accept Jesus, God accepts us. God pardons all of your sin through the simple act of what Jesus has done for you through his life and sacrificial death, and we can enter God's presence. Now we do that through prayer, but later it will be in person. Listen to what Hebrews 10 says. Brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened up for us through the curtain that is his body. Just sit in this for a moment knowing that the guilt and sin that stood against me and you is now pardoned before God. That means you have access to God through the simple act of Jesus' death and resurrection. And this single biggest truth will shape your entire life. Look down at verse 22 and 23. You will notice there are two let us phrases. Let us draw near by faith and let us hold on to the hope we profess. It is not your drawing or my holding that secures me here. It is, as verse 19 said, we have boldness, confidence to enter God's holy place. How? Through the blood of Jesus. He lets me draw near, confident that you are forgiven. And instead of measuring yourself by all the other KPIs in the world, there is one that is given to you, measured by Jesus' success meaning you're welcomed into the presence of God only and all through the blood of Jesus Christ. Which means you can now draw near to God with a sincere heart. It is not tied to our performance, but to Jesus' high priestly work. Fully assured, your heart is sprinkled clean from a guilty conscience. It is simply and always and has been faith alone by grace alone in Christ alone. And that's heaps good. Draw near. Draw near to God with a sincere heart, confident that God who promised you that in verse 23 is faithful. You see, God will never change his mind about the sacrifice of Jesus. God will never change the rules of the game in that his blood will always claim you. God will never say to you, you're too sinful to come to me. God will never say you have to add to what Jesus has done, which means you have total security there. 
Your worth and value depends on Jesus' success, not yours. And that matters so very much. Because unlike most of how we live, Christians are able to be motivated by an already acceptance in Jesus. Driven not by uncertainty, driven not by your performance of what you've done last year compared to this year or anything like that, but driven totally by the security of Jesus. And as you go into 2023, there will be lots of uncertain things, things you cannot plan for and anticipate. But you can always have unswerving confidence in this one thing, you can draw near to God by faith in Jesus. Forgiven by His blood alone, washed clean by the waters of faith, It really is that simple. And back to that bit of paper, that note, I wonder what you wrote down. Would you have written, and did you write Jesus and nothing else? Because it really is that simple. But the next year now we have reminds us that it's also serious. And maybe you heard this and thought, yeah, no, I can't be that serious. But it is so simple, continue in Jesus, draw near. But it's so serious because there is no hope apart from Jesus either. Look at the sharpness of 26 and 27. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. In the little word if, our author puts us an alternate way before you and me. Rather than remaining in the faith and hope of Jesus by his blood alone, there is a way you can live, we can live, after receiving a knowledge of Jesus that is just as bad as if we've never heard of the gospel of grace in the first place. It is a life as an enemy of God with nothing but the fire of hell waiting for you. And at that point, yeah, now seems like a good answer, doesn't it? God isn't that serious, it's it's hyperbole not real it's just a an exaggeration yeah now i'll switch turn off from a god like that wake me up luke when you talk about love and acceptance in the next third point please but before you do that let me explain who this is for and why such a warning is given who is it for well notice there's a community emphasis in these verses it says we if we that refers to the author himself And then back up in 24 and 25, there's an encouragement to spur one another on in the faith as we hold to the atoning work of Jesus. And we do that until the day draws near when our salvation will be fully realized. Which means the author knows that there are going to be times in 2023 when you will struggle with your remaining sin, when you will know what will please God and how to behave as someone who is under the blood of Christ, yet you will not do that. But you see, all of us are trophies of grace, works in progress. But sinning and being tempted does not mean you are not a Christian. Because of the covenantal promise of God that we will be his people, because God will not cast away those he has elected, chosen, placed in Christ and redeemed by Jesus, Nothing will snatch you out of God's hand, not even your sin that you struggle with. Because to do so would be for God to violate his eternal oath. Which means, this is not a warning for a struggling Christian who feels their sin and knows they have messed up again. The words deliberately keep on sinning are important. Deliberately rejecting the lordship of Jesus. That is someone who says, 
I will sin, God will forgive me. I will sin, God will forgive me. And they live in that pattern with a knowledge of, the, of Jesus, but delighting in sin willingly more than him. Deliberately never wanting to let go of sin and run the race with Jesus. It is a person who likes the things of God but does not care to hear the voice of Jesus or to confess him as Lord, who rejects the blood of Jesus in favour of all their sin. And the warning here shakes us up so that we would not continue down that path. Yes, it is a warning to everyone that says they follow Jesus, but those who are Christians will hear the warning and never experience the fiery judgment of God because the fires of judgment came down upon Jesus at the cross, and his blood is our escape and our redemption from that. They trust him, and they struggle with sin, and they trust him, and they love Jesus to bits, and they keep going. And if you think the God of the New Testament is not that serious, consider how the author makes the point in 28 to 29 by actually pulling us back to the old. He says, anyone who rejects the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severely Do you think someone deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, who has treated as unholy the thing, the blood of the covenant that sanctified them, and who has insulted the Spirit of grace? You see, it is bad to reject the God of the Old Testament, but it's even worse to reject the God of the New. If you think the God of the Old Testament's harsh, you haven't seen anything yet. Trampling the Son of God, treating His blood as unholy, You see, when you see what God has done for us in Christ, seeing such kindness and love and grace, well, it is much worse to reject Him. And people can be on the side of God for all number of reasons except the love of Jesus and the atonement. You can have a heart for God for a long time, but it will shrivel up if there is no love for the atoning work of Jesus. It is simply about who is number one at the core. Is it you or is it God? Is it God's vision of life under the blood of Jesus, defining, shaping you? Or are you saying yeah, nah, to that one simple truth? And if you feel that God's assessment on sin is a little bit harsh, consider that sin is not like the Christmas food that's still in your fridge. Maybe you shouldn't eat it if it's still in your fridge after seven days. But you indulge in it, right? Knowing I shouldn't have too much. I have an extra dessert or three, but I'll stop. But that's not like sin. Sin is a roaring lion, biting, looking to devour us. It is not a friend. It is not something you indulge in and put it back in the fridge for tomorrow. It is the reason for judgment. And God is just to judge people who refuse him and the grace offered in Jesus. Which means, why is this warning given? To confront us with the reality of sin and the deliberate choice to reject Jesus. It's given so we will not continue down that path to hear the warning, take it seriously, but know that, hey, if you're sensitive to sin and your failures, be assured you're covered with the blood of Jesus, 10.22 says. Be assured that Jesus' body has all of your sin placed upon him. Be assured that your confidence and hope is in Jesus, your high priest securing you by his work. See, not only is it so much worse, in Jesus it's actually so much better. It is so much better. Nothing like what God has offered you and me in Jesus, he's ever offered before. In Jesus, never fear that God will perhaps miss you. In Jesus, he who calls you is faithful. 
So come to him. He's earned you a place. His blood has covered your sin, but it is serious. And do not say, yeah, nah, to this, because there is a consequence. There is nothing or no one else to turn to. Jesus is really that good. So you see, it really is that simple. It really is that serious. And here's one more thing to think about. What is it? Gathering as God's people. It matters more than you think. Yes, we need to understand this good, true justification through faith in Jesus. Tremble at the realities of judgment. They will shape us and define us as a church and hopefully your life too. And as we go along to the day when we're finally in the presence of God, we need a community of like-minded people to live with, to look forward to that day of salvation. To say it another way, Christianity is collaborative. Here's how Hebrews puts it. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. And I get it. It is very tempting and easy to find all the parts of the gathering you don't like and should be done better. And I can tell you what they are as well. It's tempting to retreat from the gathering when you don't like something or reduce your attendance just enough so that no one notices you're not really there but you're slowly fading away. And yes, criticism is good and there's lots of holes and we can do better in lots of places. So please, don't think that what you have to say or think is not unimportant. But be mindful in that as you think through that, a habit of not meeting does not take root in you. And one way to avoid this is to notice why we gather in the first place. Twice in these verses, we are directed to think of one another as a motivation for this meeting. This is not the only reason we gather. This is not the only motivation for being with God's people in the Bible, but it is one of them, and it is an important one. And you must know that lots of our gathering is for you, but you are also called by God to actively look around and intentionally observe others. And when you do that, looking at their interests like Jesus did for you, for God's glory, there are outbursts of love and good works. And we need that as encouragement as the day draws near. Because how will you keep going when feeling weak, tired and weary? We gather to encourage each other in the faith. And that matters more than you think, because as we gather, we're reminded that in Hebrews 11, we belong to that cloud of faith, the witnesses who didn't shrink back. As we gather, we're reminded that we belong to our church family in your workplace. It is lonely, I'm sure, as a Christian. But when we gather, we're reminded there are others who love Jesus to bits too that can spur us on. As we read our Bibles, we hear from the past generation of our family. And today, right now, we hear from our present spiritual family. Have a high view of meeting together. And here's three more yanars that you might think at this point to clarify this. Yeah, nah. Well, first up, it's not talking about those unwell. If you're sick, don't push through. Go stay home. Okay? Don't make us sick. But also, it's not talking about those that are greatly anxious about meeting in spaces with other people too. Or as a struggling parent with a newborn, born Saturday night at one in the morning. That's okay if you don't make it to church that next morning. There could be a season when being with people is really hard for a whole number of reasons. I'm not even convinced this is talking to shift workers who occasionally have a Sunday shift because your roster moves. What this is doing is talking to those who have formed a habit of not 
meeting together and a habit is formed over time and some people have slowly stopped meeting and it's now what they do. And what this verse does is say, hey, examine your heart like the warning and don't aim for the minimum. Think about what's a healthy maximum of meeting together and then add 10%. Be careful not to form a habit of not meeting. And as things and changes and seasons and sickness come in your life, think about what is a healthy way to keep going with the people of God. But be careful it doesn't form a habit of not being with each other. And then when you are here, hear the focus. Because of the one another's that consider the spurring each other on, this implies the church is not a cruise ship full of lounge chairs and cocktails to sit and sip on. But there are lots of hospital beds. Please use a hospital bed if you need it. If you're tired and weary, have a bed, rest up, get well by the grace of God because we want to see you healthy, growing in Jesus, out of bed to encourage others who are also needing a bed and to keep everyone to to moving on because you being here matters for others. And thirdly, have a realistic picture about what the family of God should be like too. You know, a family has lots of different relationships and dynamics and seasons and you maybe experience some relationship dynamics over the Christmas period, right? The church is a bit like that. For example, meeting as a group here with all of us on a Sunday is different from seven people having coffee midweek. The bigger group can't function like seven, seven can't function like the bigger group, but each gives us something wonderful. As a group, there's a corporate together vision, a sense of identity, encouragement, evangelistic zeal to keep going and motivating others to serve. With a small group, I'm vulnerable and open. We can pray and get to know each other deeply. So don't expect Sunday to do what midweek coffee or one-on-one or a small group can do. It'll look and feel different in every group size and that's okay. But we're careful not to cultivate a habit of, not, of giving up. Don't cultivate a habit of giving up, that's right. Meeting with God's people, opening his word, singing, praying, being pointed to the grace of Jesus again keeps us going as a Jesus follower. That is one of the inputs that God gives to the Christian life. And so in 2023, let's use the inputs God's Spirit delights to use to grow us closer to Jesus, to draw near to Him, because it really is that simple by the blood of Jesus. It is deadly serious, and it also matters way more than you think. And so as we share croissants and coffee today, I encourage you, which year now do you need to shift your thinking on for 2023? Just a little bit, maybe a lot. Maybe you think they're good yenars and you want to keep them. Well, talk about it. But let's be resolved to draw near to God in 2023. Let me pray and then we'll sing. Our great God, you came near to us while we were weak and in our sin. While we were enemies of God, you reconciled us to you by the blood of Jesus Christ. And we're so thankful for that. Help us, Jesus to be in awe of what you have done. Spirit, provoke us to pursue you more and be resolved to follow you in 2023. Father God, thank you that we can meet and gather. May you use that to draw us one step closer to you every Sunday for the next 51 Sundays of 2023. May you be given the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.